What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, October 14th, and we have, you know, it's not even daily anymore. We just do like 42 shows a week during the NFL season. It's fun, and we have a new show that's going to premiere every week. Joining us now for her first of many yeah. uh, appearances, weekly appearances, senior NFL insider at CBS Sports, Josina Anderson. Josina, what's up? What's up? I appreciate You know, you're really good at that intro stuff. Sounds like you've been doing it a lot. <laughs> for like 7,000 7, days yeah. in a row. I, D- Debo, who produces the show, the the, the voiceless, the, the headless Debo, the floating yeah. head that yeah. is Debo, the, 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 om- the brains, om- the, the voice. Yeah, the, yeah. He, um, I, I'm surprised he hasn't gone insane yet from yeah. listening to me do those intros. No, he has. He's just covering it up. <laughs> that, that, that's actually probably true. Uh, follow <laughs> Josina Anderson on Twitter at Josina Anderson. Watch her on Thursdays and Sundays on CBS Sports HQ, which you can, and now you can see you on YouTube too at youtube.com slash pick six, because all of our shows, of course, are on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like, and comment on this video. Tell us, uh, I don't know, tell us something, whatever you think. Um, your stat, our stat line for Odell Beckham this weekend with the Browns, because that's our first topic of conversation. And one that I think is very interesting because Odell Beckham, once upon a time, a slam dunk Hall of Famer, the premier wide receiver in the NFL, gets traded to the Browns. The expectation is he'll be the alpha there. And he and Baker just haven't found a way to click yet. Is there something good? My theory, Josina, is that because Odell is Odell, that Baker or whoever his quarterback is when he's when he's on the field, like sort of gravitates towards feeding him as opposed to letting him become a natural part of the offense. Is that is that a viable theory or is there something else why Odell and Baker maybe haven't clicked yet? I think that there are multiple reasons, starting with the logical one in terms of just lack of time in comparison sure. to his other targets. You know, when he first got there. Um, Baker Mayfield had a very natural relationship with Richard Higgins. Obviously, Jarvis Landry, people who have been there um, before, had more time with him. And then obviously last year he got hurt in week 10 with the ACL injury and, you know, has not had the same amount of time um, with regards to coming into the season and on the field since he didn't start until three weeks after or the third game. But you know, at the same time, you know, when you're looking at just the last game, I think that's where it really stands out against the Chargers. You know, I believe he was like two for 20 on three targets. But, uh, you know, he was on the field like eight for 80 percent of the snaps. And that's a lot of time to be on the field with the ball only coming your way three mm-hmm. times. So. That's what they definitely have to fix. I know I, I was just mentioning this on CBS Sports HQ, where. Um, you know, I asked a source about this and how much does it have to do with the amount of missed time? And they were saying, no, Odell has been out there. And that, you know, are, there are some frustrations behind the scenes with wanting to get him involved more. Now, Odell addressed this today. He did admit he wants the ball. He didn't quite say like Keyshawn Brinson. You, know? <laughs> you got the point. Give me the damn ball. You can you say know what that. I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got the point, but I think he's evolved in his diplomacy with, with, with how he explains it. I and, think so too. Yeah, he's he's evolved, but you know we'll have to see. Now, it's a very good opportunity to get the cards coming in town. So if they have a big game, everybody will shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that is true. And um, I know you know over at uh, Establish a Run, Josh Hirschmeyer does this thing with uh, air. It's a, it's like a fancy analytical air yards. It's basically who's getting targeted, who's 
who's having the ball thrown their way, but it's just not, it's not connecting. In other words, like if you're getting chances, if you're getting opportunities and it's just not hitting, eventually it's going to, there's just some randomness about it that sometimes it works like that. And Odell Beckham has popped up on there twice. Um, the only downside for this week with the cards coming to town, we mentioned this on the pick show, which will be up in the pot in the feed uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, the wind looks like it might be nasty in Cleveland on Sunday, like 20 mile an hour wind when the game starts. And if that's the case, I mean, look, Baker can whip it through anything, but I would bet that the Browns lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in a very windy situation. So I'm not saying that it'll be another week for Odell, but it, you know, I think it, I, I like as an Odell backer, I want him to have a blow up game. And he what was it two weeks ago where he really should have had a monster game that Baker just whiffed on on two throws. Is, is there any way that is should we be worried at all that OBJ might? Um, uh, like if let's say he doesn't have a great game this week, is there any way that maybe this, the, the wheel gets a little squeakier? Cause he's not being that squeaky relative to what you might expect from uh, someone with his uh, previous on field shenanigans. Well, I would say that um, I think that regardless of how the game goes um, or even whether it's the next two and maybe even up to three, um, just because of the, the people are pointing to the trade deadline coming up, which mm. you know, I don't think that should be the case. Um, let me just be on record with that. And I'll go into why I explain that um, in a second um, or why I feel that in a second. But um, I think regardless of how it turns out in the game, that Odell is going to maintain his composure um, with regards to what everyone sees in, in public. So I don't think you're going to have, have that now. Um, if, if it doesn't materialize like that, I think there will definitely be some more hot discussions behind the scenes mm. with regards to it needing to get fixed. Um, and from the standpoint of, you know, Odell wants to be great. He said that, you know, from jump when he was a part of the New York giants in terms of, you know, caring about his, the legacy and caring about, you know, performing up to his, um, abilities as any player should at the same time, you know, he does realize, and I think he mentioned this in his comments today, the opportunity that he has as far as title-wise with this team and um, and the unique opportunity of playing with your best friend. Um, as far as why I don't think that the Browns should consider trading Odell Beckham Jr. is because um, I use the analogy of the Pittsburgh Steelers when um, you know Le'Veon Bell couldn't get things worked out. And they were touting, you know, James Conner and everyone was talking about, and rightly so, James Conner was performing very well. But I always said, even at that time, I said that on the air, NFL Live, I kept saying, but what happens if James Conner gets hurt? <laughs> what yeah. happens if Conner? Then it's a whole different story. And everyone's always caught up in the moment of when the other person is playing well. But if that other person's not playing well and the other person is gone, that changes the complexion. And the last point I'll make about that really quickly, Brenton, is that Yes, they were able to get into the playoffs with OBJ hurt, but they were not able to beat the elite teams in the playoffs without him. And you go back to the division game against the Chiefs, you know, that is a game that if they had Odell Beckham Jr., I believe they would have won. And, I mean, let's be realistic here. When you look at the depth chart, and, and obviously it doesn't feature Jarvis Landry because he's on IR, and, and Landry's a stud, but Landry's also not Odell. They're very complimentary pieces because Landry can just, you know, PPR machine, you know, tons of catches, not exactly a deep threat per se. Uh, but, I mean, are you rolling into a into the playoffs trying to win a title with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins and Anthony Schwartz as your top three wide receivers? That feels like a foolish endeavor. And if you're the Browns and you traded Odell Beckham now – 
I mean, the Browns are an analytically driven front office. They, they, the first rule is they're not going to sell high, sell low. Like you don't buy high and sell low. It's the opposite. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they're trading Odell Beckham. I understand why his name gets brought up, but it, you know, look for it. Look at his contract too. He's got fifteen million dollars left on the final two years of his deal with no, you know, no guaranteed money. They can get if they want if they just if things were to somehow get bad, they can move on from him, um, you know, fairly easily after the season. It would be crazy to dump him right now and then and try to win with. I, I like Donovan's people, Jones, but it, it ain't. Yeah, well, I think they have very complimentary pieces as far as the weapons and things like that. Um, and people are very high, even with Jarvis Landry talking about, you know, it's really his, you know, kind of uh, alpha to, let's say, on the field that really, you know, just kind of brings that different energy with them well. So, you know, I hear when I talk to the Browns, people talking about the uniqueness, also what Jarvis Landry brings. I just think that when you talk about the macro goal of the postseason, you want to have both of your main dudes on the field. So one is taking attention from the other when you're in, you know, a, you know, a pass play. And then also you just never know what happens even with your, your run options. Any one of those guys just over the course of the season can fall you know, to attrition and you want to go in with as many weapons as you can. So if you're, if the goal is to supersede what you did last year, as in actually winning the division game and moving on to the championship game, I would think you want all of your weapons. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Or who's calling from the NFL to someone's call? <laughs> 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 Did I take that call? I don't know. You can take the call. You can take it on air if you want. We've, we've done we've done weirder and worse things on the than take a phone call on air. All right, let's uh, let's move on and discuss. Actually, you know what? Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, look at other names that can be moved at the deadline. All right, so looking around the NFL at, at the people who might be traded, like at some point the Houston Texans are going to have to say, all right, Brandon Cooks, you see? Look, he's very good. He can be traded for the fourth time in five years. He seems like a logical name to get moved for a team that's trying to reload or, or completely start, you know, just start over. Reload might even be a fair word. Um, Deshaun Watson, of course, is a name that is going to be hot and heavy as we head towards the trade deadline. Who? Uh, what do you think will happen with Watson when it's all said and done? Does he get moved before the trade deadline or is just too much – Obvious. I mean, I don't want to say too much. I don't. Is the stuff off the field too much for another team to acquire him at this point, given the price it would cost? That is the question of the last two weeks here for an NFL owner, whether it be, you know, Stephen Ross of the Dolphins, whether it be Lurie of the Eagles or um, anyone else. I mean, I have a of the Panthers. Um, I don't think so. Um, okay. Just from the standpoint of, yes, they did make an offer. Um, but they seem, you know, pretty happy with Sam Darnold, unless something drastic here happens where they're just like, ooh, maybe we should wink our eye again. Yeah. Um, and I haven't checked back with my sources since I, you know, kind of went hard on it on Twitter like a week and a half or two weeks ago just to give it some time to evolve. Um, however, um, the thing right now is owners obviously want to have more clarity in his cases. And sure. last time I checked, there was there wasn't any um, progress in the civil talks with regards to any settlements. And then you have Deshaun Watson's lawyer involved in another case, at least as of last week, that was also, you know, he, having to deal with that. And then with regards to the criminal, uh, you know, case uh, at the point of last week, and I would even say up through now, that there was no word on when that was going to get presented to the grand jury. So as of right now, you have a real possible chance of 
an owner having to make a decision with literally zero extra clarity <laughs> as of right now. Now, what do they say? And I think Andrew Brandt says this on Twitter all the time, you know, deadlines, deadlines for, action. for actions, right? Maybe that will, you know, encourage Deshaun to go ahead and sign off on some, you know, civil settlements or write a letter to Goodell and say, I'm doing this, you know, because I'm really trying to get on the field, but I'm not really, you know, having this sort of, you know, feeling towards this or whatever, whatever it may be in terms of things that I've heard behind the scenes. I don't know if that, that will happen. Um, but it, but here, but here's the other thing is that if they don't move, okay, you have to consider not obviously having him for the rest of the year. And if you're waiting for a full adjudication of the cases, particularly however things evolve with the criminal side, based on what my sources told me and what I reported two weeks ago, you know, this could take a full year or two. So it's almost kind of like if you want to how should I say this? Get married to Deshaun Watson. Maybe yeah. just go ahead and do it now. Accept all the bad stuff up front. You know, not saying that it's, I'm not lessening it. Right, right, right. Deal with it, right? Assuming that once it is at some point, there will be a resolution. You know, um, we'll see how much it's satisfactory to the parties involved. But at some point, you will have some sort of resolution to which you can then look, we'll have them here all the way after when you look at Tom Brady, how long he's playing right now. Right. Yeah. In other words, it's your, your, it look as Andrew brand, again, the business of football, the, like the, you know, we can, as Steve Kime once said, if Hannibal Lecter ran a four, four 40, he would be on a professional football team, right? Like no matter what is off the field, if you're a really good football player, you are going to be, uh, in the, like you're going to be of interest to NFL teams. And what's kind of interesting, I think, from the perspective you're talking about, about the timeline, the Dolphins have Tua and don't have to make a decision on his fifth-year option for at least another year. And they don't know if they love him. Um, and then the, the Panthers have Sam Darnold with his fifth-year option coming up next year. So in theory, if they wanted to acquire Deshaun Watson now, they could go get him and have a, and be like, look, we're not playing him. You know, we have a quarterback. We're not playing until things are resolved. Uh, but we, you know, we believe in Deshaun or whatever you want to spin it. The Although only downside of that is if you're, go ahead, go ahead, please. No, no, I was just saying the only downside of that is if you're Miami mm -hmm. and you're one and five, like you lose to the Jaguars in London, all of a sudden you might be giving away a top five pick, which is uh, less than ideal. Although maybe the the Dolphins, I mean, wait, did the Dolphins already give away their own pick? Um, yes, the Dolphins gave their own pick to Philly. The Dolphins have San Francisco's pick. Mm -hmm. So you are, you are incentivized. Your own pick's already out the door. So you're incentivized not to lose games because you could be giving away a top five pick. So, so in other words, if somebody acquired Deshaun Watson, do you think they're all like playing him right away? Now that right there, Brinson is the question. Okay. You're actually right on the nose with that question. And, uh, I, you know, kind of, I've been pursuing the answer to this question. I did get the answer to it and the source, you know, kind of backed off and then, you know, whatever, whatever. And then when it's not as clear, then, you know, you, know, you don't necessarily go with things, but uh, how should I say this? The, the reason why that's on the nose is because if you go back before training camp, I was the first one to tweet that Deshaun Watson was not going to be put on the exemplars. People are like, what, what, what? But then you saw that he's not been put on the exempt list. And the reason is because, as I was told and I explained on Twitter, so I'm not saying anything, whatever, <laughs> is, that, you know, is because 
you know, I've been told that the league has learned its lesson with regards to trying to adjudicate things themselves too early in advance of official words coming from the courts and cops and things like that. And in this case, they haven't had to really say things early because unlike Adrian Peterson, or I can't remember the defensive player for the Cowboys uh, or Ben Roethlisberger, what have you, those players wanted to play for their team. So mm-hmm. it really has taken the pressure off. However, as Brinson has gotten on the nose with this question, if he is now on another team, clearly the desire to play changes. So that becomes now the, <laughs> the question of the hour. What happens when he comes to another team? And I'll just say the first thing that I was hearing, I, I didn't hear any fear with regards to that because it sounded like, how do I say? It sounded like there was an expectation that Deshaun Watson would not be playing. Right. Um, and then, you know, my next question was, well, you're going to put that, you know, is that mean because he'd be on the exemplus or, you know, whatever. And, you know, just trying to, you know, kind of hear what the teams understand that are involved in these, you know, conversations or what have you. And, The answer that I got at the time is that everyone who's kind of involved, you know, behind the scenes, owners and people are talking about this stuff is that there's a desire for there for there to be clear, you know, clarity. But then I explained at the time when I was on the phone that there's not going there, the the likelihood of clarity in the criminal side of this, the criminal case investigations, I should say, is um, slim to none. So right. therefore, there is going to be muddy waters. And so when I brought that point, Will, that's when I didn't really get a clear answer. And so that's kind of where it's still muddy. And I just kind of sometimes you have to kind of wait to come back. To oh, yeah. Well, that's I mean, like the thing is, is <laughs> the NFL, the Deshaun staying on the Texans is the best possible scenario. They don't want to use the commissioner's exemplars for Deshaun because if, if, if they do that, they are opening up a can of worms in which civil lawsuits – could trigger the commissioner's exemplars. And I don't think that's something they want to do. They prefer criminal charges um, but or, or, or something, you know, they don't want civil lawsuits to trigger the commissioner's exemplars if possible. All the 22 of them, obviously a different story. And they can get away with this as long as he's on the Texans because he doesn't want to play and the Texans aren't going to play him. But as soon as he goes to the Dolphins or the Eagles or whoever it is, although Philadelphia seems less likely if Jalen Hurts playing all right, um, like if he goes to the Dolphins, Stephen Ross is going to want to play him because he's going to cost him several first round picks and he's the theoretical franchise quarterback. So I feel like the NFL might. It's so complicated because it's so multi-layered. It's like a star pulling in all different directions. And you really have to also calculate how the community is going to respond. The optics of him playing while it's still, you know, unresolved. And what does that look like? And never mind the other players. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott might even be like, hello. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. You know what I'm saying? So there are other players who will probably point out how they got treated with respect to their, you know, situations and things like that. It was another thing that I brought up in the conversation. So I really feel like, Will, you know, maybe not next week because it's still a little close to November 2nd, October 15th right now, but certainly rolling into the following week, it is going to get so interesting. Yeah. I think it's just going to be like boop, 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 with news. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, speak, any other uh, any other names to monitor bigger names that you think might be on the, uh, the trade block? Because, you know, it feels like. NFL teams still are kind of eh on the on on trading at the trade deadline, but you know because of the 
just the the easier maneuverability of salary cap, et cetera, that it, we're more likely to see trades, but the in-season trades just don't feel like they happen nearly as much as people want them to happen. Yeah, I would, I would, I'm going to be honest. Well, I haven't had a chance to fully delve into this yet. Yeah. I was actually just talking about this with one of our assignment desk editors that I really wanted to do a deeper delve, but I will say, you know, because the Seahawks were a part of my report earlier, um, you know, that I do get the sense that there are, not I do get the sense, I know that there are discussions with regards to, um, you know, what's going on with the the cornerback situation there. Obviously, Stefan Gilmore just got, you know, acquired or, you know, picked yep. up by, you know, the Panthers. So that um, is off the table, though I, I feel like I kept talking about that in the offseason when you're looking at the depth chart. Um, and I think it's a natural place in terms of the consideration simply because if you look at that situation, um, they had DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. Then Trey Flowers came out of the starting lineup. Now he asked to be released. He's gone. Now they're doing a combination of DJ Reed and Sidney Jones and then really trying to get under the hood of what's going on with that defense that finished first in points per game allowed over the last eight games. And now they're back down to the second worst in terms of total, you know, points, uh, yards per game allowed, these are the conversations that are coming up. So I think that that's a very apt place to look. I'm not saying it will happen because you have to kind of think about, you know, who's out there, you know, that kind of makes sense relative to what another team is looking for. Right. Certainly the pressure is on that Seahawks defense right now. Yeah, Seahawks defense stinks. And uh, they don't have Russell Wilson right now to make up for it. Uh, long live, long live Geno Smith. Big fan of Geno Smith on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, let's get to the uh, finally the. I mean, look, it's the news of the week, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know the way the way. I mean, the way it all went down was so fast and so swift. Like, I mean, I was doing radio hits on Monday afternoon, and you know this the the thing what John Gruden wrote in his email about Demar Smith obviously unacceptable and 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 I mean just not terrible, right? But. I didn't think on Monday afternoon that he would be fired. I maybe suspended something like that. I just thought that was how it might play out because of, but just because of the franchising question, like how much cachet he has with the Raiders and, w- and with owner Mark Davis. And then, you know, the New York times releases its report and the additional emails. And within an hour, he is, uh, he's, he's gone. He's resigned. The, w- where do the Raiders go from here? And is there more fallout coming? Um, how do they, you know, is Mike Mayock going to be the guy long-term at GM? Mark Davis, uh, I believe you know, his comment was, I have no comment. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. A very, uh, some would say not exactly. A, a, Flipping. Yeah. 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 A very, a very snipped, a snipped mm-hmm. uh, response there. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say based on everything. That and that I was said, a very broad question. So no, it's fine. It's, it's, it's a broad, it's a broad conversation. Yeah. Um, I, the first thing that comes to mind, Will, is I feel like that um, Mark Davis needs to rethink his answer Um, with the gravity of the things that were revealed in the New York Times article to just pass that off and say, ask the NFL, you, you can't do that as the owner of the Raiders. I understand and respect his relationship with John Gruden the passion with which, you know, he displayed as far as bringing him back, you know, the organization bringing him back for the second time. Um, and maybe- he called it, he called it the greatest day of my life when he hired John Gruden for the second time. I mean, right. weird. Right. And so, sure. and so that illuminates to you probably how 
not probably how hard it was to make this separation. Some feel like that is also illuminated by the fact that John Gruden resigned as opposed to being fired. And we can have a whole discussion as to whether he should be or not. And I just did a whole 30 minute conversation with KJ Wright the other day about it. Right. Um, but so to me, that's the first thing that, you know, as a representative of the league and the leader and owner that he needs to rethink that comment when you really, I think, the head coach of the Rams really nailed it with his answer. I see there's a million, three point, like almost three and a half, four million people have now viewed that. Oh, oh the Chargers, right? With Brandon Steele, oh, how he, yeah, yeah, right. LA, 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 whatever. And, and Sean McVay. Sean McVay's coordinator too. for the Rams, keep, you know. He, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, no, I thought Brandon Steele's answer, I linked that in my picks article today. It was, I mean, it was, it, it was eloquent articulate and profound in a very simplified way. Like it's not hard. I mean, it's not like he, you know, broke down the construction of the, of like various molecules and chemical elements. I mean, he just simply said, let's be nice to each other. Let's treat each other in a positive fashion. And look and- how profound that sounds in the noise of all, you know, cancel culture and, you know, full outrage and, and, you know, and all this other stuff. And, you know, it's, 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 it's the versus culture. It's the, or culture. It's not the, and culture. I mean, all these words that people use to describe kind of what the temperature is of social media right now, but a couple of things I want to make a point about one, I want to say that I do think it's a valid discussion um, about the gravity of the first comment and how much that warranted the outcome. Now, I do think that that's a worthy discussion and whether, we needed to have a compilation of other offensive comments to warrant or magnify and amplify just how offensive it was. That's, I think that's just a worthy discussion. No, no, for sure. And I mean, because it's like, it, it is, it's not a great look to say, Oh, it's just racist. Well, Oh no, oh, no, like it's fine. But like, oh, now he's homophobic too. Well, now you have to like, like right, it shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't take right. two levels of, uh, of bigoted comments to, right. to, you know, right. Right. Because you don't want to get really in the business of ranking sin, so to speak. Right. For sure. Like if one thing is this, then it's that now. And that's another separate conversation with what KJ was bringing up with regards to how long is cancel culture? You know, how much do we condemn when we know also that those condemning and throwing stones also fall short? And, you know, when does forgiveness get inserted? That's a whole other conversation, too. Then there's the other conversation of the timeline, Will, which seems really tidy and too neat. And what do I mean by that? So if you look at the Wall Street Journal originally, okay, they said that uh, the uh, investigation into the Washington football team was about the workplace misconduct and that that wrapped in the summer. Then they said after that, that there was the uh, discovery of the 650,000 emails and that certain people within the league were directed to review that. And that only this past week coming into the week of the Washington Street, uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal article that was on Friday, that only that the beginning of that week or before that did the summary get to Roger Goodell. Let's just pause there. Let's just pause that. No one's getting into the timeline, right? (laughs) Let's just pause there. And this is what kind of Brian Urlacher was bringing up on my show too. What? You know what I'm saying? Like we need to ask more questions with regards to the, uh, I understand 650,000. Yes. Valid. That takes a long time to get through, but let's, we need to ask more questions about the process of review and, and the hierarchy that that works through 
and who really knew what, when, and how long they've been. I think that's a fair question. Then secondly, the second question, Will, is when exactly did it get to the Raiders? What day? Yep. Because if you look at the statement from the owner, he said on he that he found out from a reporter Thursday, the night before. Friday at the latest. He had the emails Friday at the latest, and John Gruden coached on Sunday. I mean, but stop, but stop, but stop, but stop. Uh, the statement, I believe, says, and correct me if I'm wrong out there, if I got it wrong, fine. You know, I got it wrong. But I, <laughs> I think I remember that the statement says that he found out from a reporter Thursday. He said the night before. So that would have been Thursday. What? So that's another question. People in, 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 in the Las Vegas area, you got to ask, got to get to that. Are you saying that you didn't hear anything from the league beforehand and that you first heard about this from a, a reporter? I, I'll make sure I got that right. But that, that's what I think I read. OK, then secondly, when you look at the ESPN article that came out on Sunday, Will, it's in that article. It says that they talked to him Friday night. And in that article, it says that John Gruden was aware of at least five to seven emails. So then my next question would be, see, this is if I was. And, and, and by the way, Justina, Justina, you are correct. So. Uh, he said we were first he, on a statement issued Friday evening. He said we were first made aware of the the email, as in the Demora Smith email, late yesterday, as in Thursday, by a reporter, and are reviewing it along with other materials provided to us today by the NFL. Again, I brought this up on my own show. I, again, this is what I'm saying. What? So yeah. break. Th 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 to me, there's like things that are just sticking out like store thumbs that I, I need to be pressed in that area. OK, because if I was in that press conference, the first thing I would be saying, well, wait, you found out from a reporter. So are you telling me that that seems too tidy? Well, uh, yeah, that's too does. tidy. OK, so then let me advance the next point. So the next point is that so on, on Sunday on a timeline, ESPN drops this article. They talked to Gruden. Now Gruden's on the record. In that article, it says that he was aware of at least five to seven emails at the time. So that was Friday night. Okay. But he also, he also, by the way, said in that conversation, he goes, I called Roger Goodell a, and they, they wrote, they didn't explain it. That's my point. didn't say what it was. So that's what I'm about to get to. So you're exactly right. So knowing whatever the content was of those five or seven emails, which we don't know what of what was in those five or seven emails. The response, at least per the report, I don't know if you said anything else. I can only go off what is in, you know, the report on ESPN. Your response was, well, I also said other things about Roger Goodell, too. Mm. So, again, this is what I said on my, on, my, on, my, on my show. Well, I have a problem with the word, too, because it, it seems like you're, the def, there's a deflection there by saying the comment to Maurice Smith is not as bad because I also said vulgar things about other people, too. That and then and, and then the second part about it is that per the article, you were at least aware of five or seven emails. However, you address none of the other things that came out in the New York Times article in the initial comments, at least per the report, per the report. That's an, and these are I'm like, this is what needs to be brought up. You know what I'm saying? And so now we bring it back full circle. The New York Times drops the article. We hear about more offensive language, and then you know, I hear behind the scenes that Gruden feels his words are getting twisted and all these other things. And I get it. There are players like KJ are coming out and saying to me, other players that are, you know, not named saying that this is not the man we know. And contrary to what people think they would be saying that I was reporting, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, wow, that's not what I thought I would hear. However, you know, I do think that regardless of the conversation of forgiveness, and I'm about to wrap this up is that no, I feel like, there needs to be a period where Gruden really does understand 
why it's not just twisting. You understand what I'm saying? Like really internalize that. And I do believe because of my own faith and how I am as a person, because I know I darn fall short. My Twitter bio used to start with the word imperfect. I need, probably need to put that back up there. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? So I get it, you know, that I do believe if he can have like a serious internalization of that and reckoning of that, then shoot, he could even be a PSA, you know, for the NFL in the future with regards to, um, you know, being aware of, in, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Insensitive language. Yeah, so for sure. All those things. You know what I mean? No, I agree. And I mean, like, yes, the it is. I mean, it's, it is not it's not fair to take somebody's email from 2011 and say, well, that's it. You need to go to Siberia and we don't ever want to hear from you again. And you're not allowed to re- rehabilitate your image because we have seen far too many people in this country and in, you know, in, in sports in general who I mean, like second in chance high to- offices, Will, in high offices, in high offices. Yeah. <laughs> um So, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. And then, the you know, the other thing really quickly, I know we're, we're, we'll wrap up here in a second, oh, but, okay. no, but like the. Yeah, I like I saw uh, uh, Mike Florio wrote a PFT, and I agree with him completely that I think the headline is plenty of people are nervous about the Bruce Allen emails. Yeah, you think? I mean, you know, Adam Adam Schefter of ESPN has caught some you know collateral damage as a result of these Bruce Allen emails already, and there are six hundred fifty thousand emails from the Washington Football Team over a ten year span. There is unquestionably going to be communications between Bruce Allen who felt the flagrant freedom to use his work email, which I get that you're older and you might not get email, Bruce. It's still on the, it's in, it says dot NFL.com on there, bro. Like set up a Gmail, <laughs> set up something, a hotmail, AOL, anything that's not your work email, man. Like, I mean, I know if you want to use it for business, use it for business. If you got to like email with Gruden about like, you know, like, like, uh, old man, like forward, 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 like, like crude jokes, like maybe set up a different email address, you know? And, and, and but to my point is like, if he's willing to do all this stuff with Gruden and these guys who own these businesses and this group email thread, Lord only knows who he's emailed with, who he's emailed about uh, when it comes to NFL business. And I would guess that while all of us want to see these emails shot out to the like into into like open space, that there are probably a lot of people who don't want them out there. Well, I'll go back and again and say this: like even as I listen to us talk, right? Like I just keep hearing KJ's voice in my head, right? Because you know he says, "Listen," and even Brian Urlacher said this on my show: "Is like you know any of us who have been you know said things you know in, in privately or." publicly that, you know, may be considered offensive to, you know, to some, or, you know, just, you know, done things that we regret or whether it's in our young age, let alone, gosh, well, I don't even know what I was doing 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So it's fine. Like, <laughs> no, so, well, actually, so, I guess 10 right, years ago, fine. 20? No, no doubt. Right. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, is so I, I, it, it's not acceptable. It's not unassailable. Uh, but I, I, I am about redemption. You know what I mean? And yeah. I am about, uh, you know, being able to say, you know what, that wasn't the best choice. It got caught up or whatever. And, but I do feel like the initial apology to Chris Mortensen in, uh, in that ESPN article was not it. So that's not it. <laughs> that's yeah. just not it. And then KJ also told me that he, even after the resignation came, that he never said goodbye to the players. And so that was one thing that he did say he had a problem with that he didn't say, you know, um, he didn't say goodbye and, and, and properly address that. But, 
I don't know, Will. Um, he got out of there so fast, Josina. It feels like he didn't. If, to me, it felt like he did not want to deal with it. More one, he didn't want to deal with it. I mean, he get, he left sixty million bucks on the table and bounced an hour after a New York Times article dropped. You know, emails that were probably going to get him fired eventually. But if the Raiders had continued to drag their feet, it it does seem likely that the NFL is like, look. We got again. We got six hundred fifty thousand of them, and like a hundred thousand of yours, John. So you know, do whatever you like, but we are going to keep releasing these until. And you know, if there's a decent chance that they get worse, I I guess like I you know I don't. Do you I don't know think- what will though? And I'll say this: I was going to say this on my uh, my show, but I'll say it here: is that um, you know I don't think you know everyone's trying to you know obviously bring out you know or figure out what the origin of the leaks are, right? I I have my own theory. I think people have their own theory and and most people probably agree on that theory. Um, However, now that this article has come out from the LA Times, it does make me question a few things. Mm. Um, You know, I think Sam Farmer and the uh, the other gentleman that's on that article or reporter, I should say, um, I think they did a really, you know, good job. um, And following up, you know, this defamation case, uh, that involves, um, you know, Daniel Snyder and I think it's uh, Bruce. I'm not sure. So yes, it's between Bruce and, um, yep. Between Bruce and, uh, and Dan Snyder. So what that means, Will, is that there are other people seeing these emails outside of the NFL. It is interesting, but that's what that means. And, and because the first thing that came to my mind when, and I, and I missed it because I've been just so busy as locked in on TweetDeck as I typically am. But when when someone told me of the story coming out, the first thing I thought, I was like, and but that was before I saw the LA Times. I was like, well, that's odd, you know, because everybody thinks, you know, where these leaks are coming from. And I think that, you know, this the subject of who that person, you know, the 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 story was about, I was like, well, that's a amicable relationship. So that doesn't really make sense if you think about it. So you have to really think about these things. Because sometimes what the way things get printed and the way they 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 answer it for you. Just Correct. That. There's always little breadcrumbs. If it doesn't that so that doesn't make any sense. So but then when I saw the article, I was like, oh, now that makes sense. So at the very least, there are other people who have seen these emails as well, and it may be a multi prong link. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love a good multi-prong situation. It's not, it's not, it's not it, may, it might not just be who's, you know, entity that many of us think it is. Right. Um, it, this, there may be another source here. doesn't mean it was the original one, but at the very least, there are multiple eyes. And that is why when people are, you know, asking me whether it's my editor, you know, people are talking like, but why, but why, but why? And the reason why I say is because is this. Because once you do the investigation, and there are so many emails. Will there are multiple eyes on those emails? So that means that there are multiple people who know. So then, now when you uncover the content of those emails, you cannot risk sitting on that and then the Correct. attention coming back to the NFL with regards to, well, oh, you were sitting on this forever, and you know. So does that mean the, you don't have a problem with it? So now you now it has to get out. It yep. has to get out. And then now you look, and then when we just went over the timeline, you see, you see, you see. Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the I don't NFL... have to my sentence. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I'm saying, I, no, I'm saying, I don't have to finish my sentence. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I agree. You know like I mean? the, the the NFL, once the NFL is made aware of what John Gruden wrote in those emails, 
the NFL could not allow John Gruden to be employed by an NFL club moving forward because, as you're saying, if like five months down the road, these emails, which again, like what, like some of them are in these court documents, these come out that the NFL knew about it for five months. It's like you covered up for John Gruden despite these like racist and homophobic and misogynistic emails, and it would be a thing. Um, so the NFL, yeah, but you're right. There's, I, I think the, the larger point is you can't sit on it. You can't yeah, you can't sit on it. And I don't think we're done with, uh, like, I mean, we can be done with it for today. But, like, I don't think, like, we as, like, an NFL following, NFL analyzing, uh, you know, entity at CBS are done talking about these emails. I think the emails are going to be a thing for a hot minute. But here's where I, I disagree, and I'll, oh, I'll put okay. a button on it here. I feel like, I feel like there would be nothing wrong with the NFL just having a transparent press conference. Oh, yeah. I don't think it has to come out in this manner. That's yeah. really the thing. It doesn't have to come out in this manner. They've been doing it like this for too long, though. They don't know any. They don't know anything else, I don't think. But just have a press conference. This is the summary of our of our findings. We don't we don't condone this. The same way the the statement come out saying it was abhorrent, it's appalling, it's wholly contrary to the values. You know, so these leaks, you know, is that's is just like. That's the part, you know, again, I haven't fully said on this podcast who I think the leagues are from. We're having a broad conversation. However, I'm just <laughs> saying the crumbs are the crumbs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, that's, that's the lesson from today's podcast. Follow the crumbs. And there will be more crumbs, I would guarantee you. Josina uh, Anderson, thank you so much. Awesome debut. Uh, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, follow Josina at Josina Anderson on Twitter. Watch her on CBS Sports HQ, of course, on Thursdays. And Sunday specifically, read her on CBSports.com and we'll talk to you soon.